NorCal Fire comes to Redwood City, California, September 9th and 10th. Hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries, NorCal Fire, designed to equip you to talk to the lost and immediately put what you learn into practice with guidance and support from seasoned evangelists. The topic is the Word of God with J.D. Hall, Carl Kirby Sr., Carl Kirby Jr., and Andrew Rappaport. There's a special debate, Is Hell Continual?, on Friday, September 9th. For details and to register, go to norcalfire.info. Hey, can you hear me? I'm using an alternate mic now. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. Okay, we're not going to use that microphone. Um, okay. Uh, sorry for uh, all the uh, listeners out there. We're having some, I am having specifically some technical difficulties this morning, so I'm using a different microphone. Um, but uh, today, uh, the topic that uh, wanted to discuss was uh, the topic of Freemasonry. It's not something that I've addressed uh, before on the show. Um, we have a guest uh, lined up today, Pastor uh, Stan uh, Gibson. And um, recently I saw his testimony on Facebook uh, concerning his interactions with uh, Freemasons, and it uh, really intrigued me and is something that that I think is very important for us to address uh, among the, the Christ Church. And uh, so I wanted to bring Stan in for this and, and, uh, go through this. What we're going to do is, uh, first Stan, if ask Stan to kind of give his personal testimony, mm-hmm. his own interactions with the, uh, Freemasons. And then we wanted to actually get into some of the issues, uh, with Freemasonry. Is it, and answer the question, is it congruent and is it compatible with biblical Christianity? And so with that, uh, welcome, Stan. Um, Hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully oh. we don't have all those technical difficulties going on. Yeah. Well, we're just going <laughs> to drop out that, <laughs> that uh, my mixer board, and we're just going to go direct with, uh, with computer audio here. So uh, you, can hear me, you can hear me fine, though, right? Audio sounds good? I can hear you. I can hear you fine, but I have to say your microphone sounded a lot better. But uh, th- this will work. With the previous one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, why don't we start off, uh, Stan? Just um, tell us a little bit your your background story. What got you started into uh, looking into Freemasonry? What was the events uh, that that happened in your life that uh, kind of that triggered that? Well, I have to tell you this: that uh, it, it's never easy for me to put something in few words, I'm, uh, especially something that that. Uh, that touched my whole family's life as it did. Um, but it was about 18 years ago. Um, I was a pastor at a Southern Baptist church. My first pastorate, by the way, I was still in my twenties, um, late twenties, but, uh, nonetheless, I hadn't given much thought to the Freemasons at all. Uh, my dad was a practicing, uh, Freemason, uh, what was my stepfather was, um, a lot of my friends were already entering the lodge, as well as uh, some of the people in the church that I was pastoring belonged to the lodge and the Eastern Star. But I never really gave it much thought. Uh, I would have to say, Jason, that the the subject matter uh, found me. I didn't find it. Uh, but uh, I think it's no doubt the Lord's providence that he was pulling me into this uh, particular arena uh, to address. But uh, it all began... Um, with a elderly couple walked into my office and uh, they had been to either a yard sale or a flea market of some sort. And uh, they had a book in their hand and they said they found this book and they wanted me to have it. And uh, they set it on my desk And the book was the encyclopedia of Freemasonry by Albert Mackey. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll look at this when I have an opportunity to look at it. And so it was sat on my desk, and it wasn't just about a, a few minutes later that uh, our custodian uh, made his way into the church, um, and he made his way into my office, as he usually did, so we could just kind of uh, share small talk and things, and we liked to laugh together and joke together. And, and uh, But he saw this book on my desk, and when he saw the book on my desk, he, he picked it up. And uh, his, his, his behaviors were very peculiar. He picked up the book, he tucked it under his arm, and, and, and he said, where did you get this? And I said, well, 
uh, you know, it was given to me as a gift. And they, and, and he went on to say, he said, well, if you have any questions about the Freemasons, I'll be, uh, I'll be happy to answer those for you. You don't need a book like this. And, and, uh, and I'm kind of going along with it, but again, his be- behaviors are peculiar. Um, so I asked him, I said, uh, you know, you a Freemason? And he said, yes, I am. Uh, interestingly enough, Jason, the guy as a custodian was also the chairman of deacons and, uh, I already knew him to be very influential in the church and very, uh, um, to, to, for no better words, I think he was not only influential, but powerful in the church. Let me ask you this. Were you relatively new at that church at that point or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, uh, I had just made it through my honeymoon period. Um, you know, that uh, first nine to, to 12 months period, I, I think it was about a year, maybe a year and a half into my ministry uh, that this all took place. Um, but uh, but it was his behavior that, that, that really struck me. And I asked him why it disturbed him. And uh, uh, he just kept replying, well, if you want to know more about the Masons, you can just ask me. You can just ask me. And, and uh, so... Uh, what he said next, though, the trigger for me, so to speak, he, uh, Jason, he said to me, he said to me that I would need to join the lodge if I wanted to be a better pastor. And uh, it was, it was that statement that, uh, that put the flags on me at this time. I mean, they just flat, whoops, flat went up, talk with my hands and hit my microphone here. But uh, the flags of discernment went up because, you know, uh, what what do I what is the lodge going to teach me to make me a better pastor? What does the yeah. lodge know that I can't find out through Scripture? And that was my line of questioning to him. I said, "What is it about the lodge? What does the lodge know that the Bible doesn't reveal that I have to have to be this better pastor?" And um, he became more upset at my line of questioning. And um, finally, finally, I just, for whatever reason, I blurted this out. I said, who is the Lord of the Masonic Lodge? And uh, he was livid then. And he said, Jesus is my Lord. And I said, well, um, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, who is the Lord of the Masonic Lodge? And this went on, this launch, I mean, seriously, I think I had to have asked him this several times before finally, finally, he, he came unglued to the point that he literally put his hands over his ears. Now, this is a man in his mid-60s, and he puts his hands over his ears, and he begins to make noise like little kids so he can't hear anything, and he runs out to his car. <laughs> and wow. uh, I follow him. Now, I pick up my Bible, and I follow him. Now, I'm following him because I don't want this dialogue to end. I want to hear, is Jesus the Lord of the Masonic Lodge? I want to hear more. I I want him to tell me more. But uh, he runs away, he gets in his car, and he speeds off. Now, I don't know if I shared this in the testimony um, that I shared online a few months or a month ago. Um, He told people later on in the church that I literally chased him outside the church to beat him up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that my goal was to beat him up because he had so offended me. And the truth is, you know, like I said, I'm in my late 20s. I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. But this guy's in his mid-60s, and I'm sure, Jason, that if I got in a scuffle with him, he would have pinned my ears back. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, he was a rugged and tough guy. Uh, so I was a little surprised that anybody would buy his, his testimony that I was trying to beat him up. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but things escalated. Um, at that time, I, I at that time I uh, began to pray as I never prayed before. Lord, I I need to know more about this Freemason stuff. I was caught unawares. I didn't have. Uh, I felt I wasn't prepared to give an answer as I should have been. <clears throat> and uh, so I began to pray about how to respond and what must I do to reach out to my brother deacon. And um, so what, what took place next was just phenomenal. Um, uh, I came across some of the uh, Freemasons literature, their own literature, their own books, their own ceremonial uh, pamphlets and s- things to this matter. Uh, I had a man call me out of the blue and say, hey, I've got some Mason books. I don't want any more. Would you like them? <laughs> and uh, I said, now, Absolutely. What- <laughs> wasn't wasn't there, um, I, and I don't know if you want to share this, but wasn't there a little bit more to the story with his son also there? Well, uh, 
Y- yes. Uh, yeah. Let me go into that. I, I, I uh, didn't mean to, to, to gloss over that. I'm excited to get to the end already, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I think this is needful for everybody to know. Uh, I would have loved to have said that the encounter with this, uh, this custodian deacon would have, uh, would have ended peacefully. Um, but um, we actually uh, confronted him as a, a deacon body or the deacon body confronted him. We had, uh, six deacons at the time, and only two of them wanted to confront him on his behavior. Only two of them showed up to the meeting, which tells you a lot uh, about his influence, his influence and his power. Uh, he intimidated these men, and only two of them came to the meeting. And uh, as we were confronting him on his actions and behaviors and questioning him about Freemason, he stood up in a rage and he began to he began to just walk out of the meeting. The youngest deacon there, and I would say he was a little younger than me, and he was a novice, I mean, as far as deacons go. And he said, sir, if you leave, I'll be forced to bring this to the attention of the church. <laughs> I absolutely loved his courage. <laughs> well, well, we, d- we did bring it to the, uh, he did leave, and we had to bring it to the, uh, to the church body at the next business meeting. And um, basically, the charge was that his behavior was not becoming of a deacon, and and uh, biblical uh, charges were laid at his feet. Uh, he was enraged in the meeting, and he uh, basically got up, him and his wife, and stormed out of the meeting. I mean, stomped hard, snorting and uh, talking under his breath, uh, left the church. And as soon as that happened, people in the church began to stand up in the meeting. I had one lady who I dearly loved, um, but she stood up and she said, I cannot believe, Stan, what you're doing to our church. Um, You're destroying our church. This is an upstanding member. Uh, You're destroying everything that we've ever worked for here. And that was hard for me to hear. I'm, I'm I'm not even a pastor of three years yet. I'm a pastor of a year and a half. I don't know how to handle all this. This is frightening me to death. And uh, anyway, I bored it back out to her in as much love and compassion as I could. I said, "Uh, ma'am, with all due respect, until you can show me the nail scars in your hand and your feet, please don't call it your church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. Yeah. She respectfully sat down, and, and just so that I, I don't forget this, her and I patched things up and had a great relationship, and uh, she went on to be with the Lord not long after that. But here's the thing. As everybody left the church that night, there was a handful of men that stuck around, and we were still talking about it. Uh, my wife said that there was a lot of uh, women and children still outside of the church. I wasn't privy to that. She told me that. But the guys and I were standing around next to my office door, and, and we see this car flying in from the front doors. We see this car flying into the church parking lot, which was gravel, and just sliding to a stop. And out of the car comes this custodian, chairman of Deacon's son. And uh, he storms into the church, into the vestibule area, grabs me by the collar, and literally fires me into my office, slams the door, and locks it. Uh, Jason, he looked at me, and he pulled, uh, um, I, uh, it was a square and compass. It was a, it was a Masonic coin, and he, and he showed, he put it in my face. He said, this is what you hate about my dad. This is why you did what you did to my dad. This is what you're doing to my family. And he took the coin, and he flipped it at me. And uh, wow. then he began to point at me, and he said, let me tell you something. What you've done... Uh, will not go unpunished. And then his next words were were frightening. He said, because I don't care if your house catches on fire with you and your wife in it and rolls down the hill. Wow. Mm, wow. At that, I, yeah. Yeah. And at that, I said, I said, am I to take that as a threat? And he said, take it any way you want. And I said, well, I think it's a threat. And he goes, well, then it's a threat. And I said, are you telling me that you're going to come and burn my house down even if my wife and children are in it. And he said, take it the way you want to take it. Well, he stormed out of the, out of the office, um, uh, and he got in his car, and I told the men what just took place, and I asked them um, if I should take the threat seriously. They said I should. So um, I said, well, then my wife and I need to leave. And so uh, the, my parsonage, or we stayed in the church's parsonage next door, 
So I told my wife to go home and pack and get in her, uh, get in the minivan and, uh, let's get out of Dodge. <laughs> so, uh, we, we got in that minivan and, uh, we started down this old country road and, uh, Sure enough. Uh, now, I don't know how much time has elapsed, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. But nonetheless, the son of this man is coming up this hill in this old uh, country road. And um, uh, we see his car. And so we're like, wow, this threat is real. And so I turn off the headlights and I take my little minivan up to 80 miles an hour, maneuver myself through a lot of country roads. And we go to a relative's house where we would have to stay. Uh, several days until we think the threat had passed. Now, mind you, I did call. I did call the local authorities, and they said, uh, basically, they they just kind of shoved that off. They said, "Well, if he does anything more, let us know." Yeah. And uh, I said, "Well, the next move in my mind is the next move. The next any more that they're talking about is my death." So, yeah. so, uh, so they just kind of they just kind of uh, pushed it off. Didn't really care about it. And, uh, so that is, that's, that's the confrontation I have. And that was very real. That was very, and, and, and I'm glad that you reminded me to share that because that is what caused me to fervently pray to the Lord for yeah. answers. I well, that's, answers. that's, that's quite a motivation to, to start studying yeah. Freemasonry. Yeah. yeah. That, that's sort of an experience. Uh, wow. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty incredible. So after that, I think you started digging in and you started uh, to look, what, what does Freemasonry actually teach? Yeah, that's what exactly what happened. I, I, when I prayed, like I said, a man called me out of the blue that I didn't know, and he gave me his, his Freemason books. Uh, and then it wasn't even long after that that a, uh, that a widow of a Freemason um, just gave me all of her books of her, of her husband. And so I think at, at total I had 110 books. Wow. Um, uh, written by them. I had a lot of their monitors, which is their ceremonial uh, doodads that they do in their lodge uh, and, and to this matter. And, and mind you, I'm reading this and I'm studying this like it's like there's no tomorrow, uh, which is causing my wife to go, what are you doing? I mean, every day I'm studying at least three to four hours in their own stuff, uh, their own material in, in order, in order uh, you know, to prove them wrong, to, yeah. to come against it, you know. And, um, can, so can you, can you briefly give us kind of a summary for the, cause there might be some listeners out there that simply just don't have, uh, any, you know, they don't really know much about Freemasonry. Last night I was talking to, uh, to somebody and I mentioned Freemason that I'm going to be doing an interview tomorrow with it. And they, and they weren't really sure what that even meant. So for those out there that don't have any sort of knowledge about the Freemasons, can you kind of briefly before we get into it, kind of just summarize what is Freemasonry and, and kind of what a little bit of its uh, history. Well, I don't, uh, I don't want to, uh, to oversimplify it, but, uh, but over the years, I, I, what it really has become is, to me, Freemason is, uh, they call it a fraternal, a fraternal non-religious, uh, but it, is, it has tons of religious overtones in it. Um, as we can go into detail later. Uh, but, but for me, uh, as, as my dad said, I think my dad came across with the best, my stepdad, that is, the best definition of it since he was a Freemason. He said, he said Stan, it's nothing more than a glorified Boy Scout group. <laughs> he <laughs> said, uh, it's a good old boys group. We take good care of each other. And uh, it's a brotherhood. It's treating, uh, it's treating humanity as humanity should be treated. And he went on with all these, uh, these, little, uh, these little things that he had concocted over the years of what it is. But, um, but make no mistake, it is, it is a system uh, whereby they even say of themselves that we take good men and we make good men better men. Uh, which right there, if you know Romans 3, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's contrary to what Scripture says about people. I mean, there is none good, not even one. There is none righteous, not even one. Yeah. Uh, so it is a works-based religious organization, whether they want to deny that or not. It's a works-based system whereby men join, and, um, and they, I think they are deceived into believing that they are going to go to the Grand Lodge when they die because they've been good Masons. Um, I don't know any other way to really describe that. I mean, I could go into... Uh, 
I could go into their own literature, but I think that's the best way for people to grab a hold of what it is. Now, when it comes to their understanding of God, and just from my own studying, don't they have a little bit more of a deistic uh, view of God? Do they actually truly embrace the Trinity um, at any uh, level? Um, you know, what, what are their view on, on the nature and being of God? Uh, the deistic view is right. I mean, of course, a lot of our founding fathers were, uh, were ascribed to be Freemasons, and uh, uh, <clears throat> they do have a deistic viewpoint. However, uh, it really depends on uh, who you talk to in the Freemasons and what lodge and who the, quote, worshipful master is, unquote, as to how far or how much they embrace Christianity. <clears throat> because on, they're not supposed to gravitate towards any one particular religious group. I mean, that's, that's key because uh, the man that I confronted, he said, it is a Christian organization. And that was a flat lie because it's not a Christian organization. In fact, this little book that I have here, I don't know if you can see it or not. Yeah. Uh, this is a little pamphlet, a little tract that, uh, that I would, that's what I would identify it as, uh, that I picked up actually at the lodge when I was able to go to a lodge meeting and, and, and uh, be forced into a debate. Um, but it says this, just let me show you how they handle the Bible. The Bible and other sacred books are important in Freemasonry as symbols of religious beliefs of individual members and the support of all religion by the fraternity as a whole. In other words, the Bible is just one of many books, and they call it one of, one of many lights, a great light or a grand light. And so the Bible uh, is lessened. The Bible is put on the same plane as any other sacred book of any other religious system. And if you're a Christian you, the, the, and you're in the lodge, I think the discernment flag ought to go up right there. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, the triune nature of God, do they have anything? Um, what, what, do they, what do they specifically say about that? Do they address that or is that just kind of left up to the individual within the lodge on kind of what you I want to believe about God? Now, to be honest, Jason, that's one of those questions I was telling you before the interview that if I didn't have a clear answer on it, I wasn't going to try to answer it. Yeah. Uh, I, I never came across that. Um, uh, I did read uh, some of their books, like one of their, uh, one of their authors they want to they get rid of and they want to deny now is Albert Pike. And uh, yeah, he has I've a book. That name. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll hold this up. This is the book called... Uh, Morals and Dogma, and it's written by Albert Pike. And this book is, pro and the reason why they want to divorce themselves from this book is because this book is damning to them. Uh, this book reduces Jesus Christ as, uh, as just another man, just another wow. man who, who God used. So I think that's a, that's a pretty, uh, you asked me about the Trinitarian view, I think that's a pretty good slap that they just think that he's yeah. a man. Yeah, so. Now, are a lot of the lodges, are they somewhat autonomous? Like you mentioned that it depends on what lodge you're talking about. Is there, is there a governing body uh, for Freemasonry? Do they, do they start, at what point do lodges uh, interact with other lodges and with other locations? Well, again, <clears throat> that's probably something uh, that I probably knew really well at one time, not so sure now. Um, but yeah, they do have a governing body, uh, okay. I'd say a, a singular governing body, and then it branches off, and it branches down into states, and I'm sure into even other countries as well, but into states and then local, local townships. For example, okay. um, while they are under the umbrella of, cer of cer certain uh, ordinances, I would say, and certain uh, belief systems, whatever you want to say, within that individual group, yes, I do think that... Uh, uh, for example, I, I don't think that my uh, my Mason friend at uh, at the church that I was telling you about, I don't th in his mind. I, I believed he was he was incorporating Christianity in the lodge to which he was he had authority over as the worshipful master because he was the worshipful master of that lodge at the same time this confrontation happened. Yeah. So, so I think he, he wanted to add the flavor of Christianity. I think he was, I think in his mind, he was being noble towards Christ um, 
in, in, in bringing in these additions. I did ask him uh, a little bit later after this confrontation uh, if they prayed in Jesus's name. And he said, we're not allowed. We can't. And uh, that says a lot, too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, but, but Jason, before I go any further, I've talked to a lot of Masons after that. And they said, oh, that's baloney. We can pray in Jesus' name if we want to. So that just shows you that while they may have yeah. an umbrella of governing, I think they do, uh, I think within their own township lodges, get to call their own shots. But I'm no authority on that for sure. Yeah. So um, in the ceremonies, because don't they engage in a lot of different type of ceremonies within uh, Freemasonry? Are, are there ceremonies that they are part of that would have, that would just not be compatible with, with biblical Christianity, things that they have to do, rites of passage and things like that, that would not... Abs- uh... Absolutely. I, I think one of the, the most frightening things is, is, their, is their right of initiation. Okay. Um, uh, their right of initiation uh, is, is really kind of bizarre um, because they're to be hoodwinked, they're to be blindfolded, um, they are to be, um, their hands are to be tied behind their back and... Um, up until recent days, they were stripped totally naked. Wow. And, uh, okay. So they would be brought to the door of the lodge where there would be a, a, a secret knock. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, there would be a response from the other side, and the other side would say, who goes there? And the candidate is supposed to say, a child of darkness wanting to come into the light. Uh, interesting. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's frightening, Jason. That's yeah. frightening uh, to say, to put the lodge in comparison. First off, Jesus is the light yeah. to put that in comparison to his church, to which he initiated and, uh, and, and, and grows and builds to put that that's in direct opposition, I believe to the church. Well, for so, a Christian to become a member of the lodge and then go to the door and actually say, I am a child of darkness. That's, that's <laughs> quite uh that is uh, that is truly frightening, yeah. Well, uh, how do you explain that away? How, how does the initiate who is a Christian, let's say he's been in the church for a while, how does he come to that point where he thinks that this is just, like my stepdad said, it's just a glorified Boy Scout meeting? Um, look, yeah. I, I don't care. I don't care what meeting it is. If there's a guy who calls himself worshipful master and you <laughs> have to submit yourself to being a child of the darkness, wanting to come into the light where this worshipful master is, my goodness, I don't even think you would have to have, but just the ABCs of the Christian faith to know that this is wrong. Um, yeah. I, I think it's more telling perhaps of what the church isn't doing with these men who are belong, belong to the church, so to speak, who are uh, who are going to the lodge, they have no knowledge then of what Scripture is saying. What are these guys preaching from the pulpit? Uh, what are these guys hearing from the pulpit that would make them so ignorant that they wouldn't see the danger in joining the lodge? I don't get it. Of course, you and I could say, and I'm sure a lot of your audience would under, would say, is obviously. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And there's a lot of people in the church that just don't know who Jesus really is. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, this is quite a few years ago. I remember seeing uh, somebody with a, with a video camera um, and some Freemason coming out of a, a lodge in New York. And uh, they asked him specifically about Lucifer. And uh, he referred to Lucifer as some glorified light bearing being of some sort. Is that what, what is their view uh, within Freemasonry when it comes to specifically uh, the angel Lucifer? Well, let me get back in this microphone. I'm looking at, by the way, that comes from Albert Pike's book, Morals and Dogma. <clears throat> and so they want to divorce themselves again from that book, but he does, uh, he does have much to say on that. And I'm trying to find it. My wife warned me. She said, I needed to, I needed to earmark these books so that uh, I would come in here prepared. Now, had this been a few years ago, I could turn right to that page. But I would love to quote to you exactly what Albert Pike said, because he, uh, he does call Lucifer an angel of light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he flat calls that, and, and, and in the language of his morals and dogma, he says, unfortunately, Jesus is also identified as an angel of light. Unfortunately. Wow. Unfortunately, so, wow. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so if I can find that, I'm going to keep looking for that because I need I want to quote that. I don't want to just do that off the top of my head uh, because uh, uh, I could never I could never make it as bad as it really is. <laughs> it's, it's bad stuff. Uh, what about what can while you're looking for that? Maybe you can tell yeah. what you know, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, like I said, I've, I've done a little bit of research on them in the past is they have what's called like the 33 degrees, I, I believe, of masonry. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are different levels, I believe, that you can attain within the, the organization. Can you kind of describe that a little bit and maybe some of the rites of passage on, on those? Yeah, from what I understand, okay, and from what I've gathered and learned, um, maybe we need to do a show sometime with a Freemason in on with us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because uh, from what I've gathered, and this is men that have come out of the lodge and have helped me out, because um, I didn't find it in their writings as much. Um, but they have they have actually thirty two degrees, and thirty third would okay. be the honorary degree. Um, okay. Okay. Um, the, uh, but most men, and here's interesting: most men that join the lodge never get past the third degree. Really? Okay. Yeah. So they, they, they linger there. That's about where they, that's what I was told. Most never want to take on uh, the requirements. And that means to learn a lot of things. Yeah. Excuse me, to learn a lot more secrets uh, um, and such and so forth. So mo- most of them don't even dedicate themselves to a serious study of the fraternity that they join. So they just okay. hang out around the third level, but yeah, okay. there's degrees and every degree means that you've learned more of a, uh, of what it takes to make a, a good man a better man. Uh, secrets of Haram Abif, uh, who the master builder of Solomon's Temple, uh, to learn his traits. Uh, uh, of course, a Freemason sees themselves as a stone, okay? And, uh, and that stone needs to be chiseled away, and, and, you know, metaphorically, and built into the, the kind of man that the grand architect of the universe will receive into his lodge someday. So... Those are the degrees, and they just build them up, you know. I don't know if that's helpful or not. I'm still trying yeah. to look for this quote, too. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Um, so let, let me ask you this. With uh, Freemasonry, from what I understand, is, is an international organization. I mean, it's, uh, I believe it exists over in Europe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it goes into areas like Africa and Australia, but it's all over the place. Is there, is there a... Um, a similarity? Do they all have the same um, rites of passage, all the exact same levels and degrees? Uh, you know, do yes. they have the same organizational structure, whether you're in Scotland or whether you're in Austria yes. or wherever you're at? Yes, and <clears throat> it just depends. And, and the only difference is, is by what, uh, by what sacred book will they swear their oaths upon? Okay. Um, like here... In America, obviously, most of them will be, uh, most of those will use the Bible, the Holy Bible as we have. <clears throat> but if you're in, um, uh, if you're in a, a Muslim, uh, a Muslim country or, or um, even a Muslim area where the lodge is, then you would swear upon the Quran. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. So, so that's what I read earlier from their book. They they honor no particular uh, uh, religious book over another. Uh, they're all equal. They're all said to have uh, elements of light and truth. In fact, they say they all have light and they all have truth. Wow. Well, that's so, just yeah. That's just typical syncretism right there. That uh, absolutely. That you know our whole co- culture is completely indoctrinated in. So, is there actually a, a fairly large movement? Maybe you you might not know this, but uh, a fairly large movement of Freemasonry within um, the Islamic world. That I cannot answer. Um, but I do know it exists because uh, I uh, actually one of the books that I have uh, is a is a research book and a statistical book, and yeah, there are there are um, there are several lodges, but I don't know how vast that is. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands or millions actually belong to the to the lodge in that in that particular belief system. So. What do do you have any in your research on a lot of our founding fathers and a lot of our presidents? Isn't there uh, a lot of people within power, especially within the United States, 
um, historically have have been part of uh, the Freemason movement. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, George Washington, uh, Benjamin Franklin, I'm just trying to think of a, of a few here of our founding fathers that were actually uh, Freemasons. And um, that there was, uh, you know, some some Freemason type ceremonies and things like that that occurred with even the founding of our own nation, and and might have contributed to the deism, I think, of of a lot of the early church fathers, or church Absolutely. fathers. I mean, nation fathers. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew what you meant. Um, well, I don't know. I, I do know the majority of the those who signed the the. Uh, the Declaration of Independence. I know that those who the signers of that, the majority of them were practicing Freemasons, um, and I know that that really disturbs a lot of us <laughs> that they yeah. were because because I guess that's where some of the conspiracy uh, uh, theories come in and all of yeah. the all of the goofiness that you see out there. And look, there is a there is a conspiracy, and the and the conspiracy is is to overthrow everything uh, of Christ, everything of the church. Uh, but that is God allowed. I mean, God allows Satan to do that. The end has to come. Yeah. But to sit there and say uh, uh, to to attach movies to it and all these other things, it's silly. But they were practicing Freemasons, and I do think that it influenced them greatly as deists um, and, and the way they approached worship of God. And I, yeah. uh, we could say that's unfortunate because a lot of us, you know, I know that there are people out there talking about the founding of our nation was, was, was centered on Christian and Judeo Christian beliefs. And yes, that's a fact, but, but it kind of lets the air out of the balloon when you find out so many of those guys were free, <laughs> Freemasons yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, which, which just goes to show that as a Christian, we, we have, we have a king. We have a we have a hierarchy of government there. <laughs> yeah. Now their primary symbol, if I'm not mistaken, is a compass and a square, and then um, I think the like the letter G in the middle mm -hmm. there. What 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 does that symbol necessarily mean? Does the G? I've heard different things. I've heard sometimes the G stands for geometry. Yeah. I've heard it stands for go. God. Uh, is, is it specifically geometry? Is that what it stands for? Yeah, it's it's geometry and God. It depends on who you talk and what degree they have and what they've learned. Um, uh, so it's the tap dance of of the Freemasons. Uh, uh, I when I went into the lodge, I I, I went into the lodge to do. Uh, well, here I was asked to do. Um, wedding vows of a couple who had been married for 20 years. They wanted to renew their vows. Uh, this guy's brother was a worshipful master <clears throat> at a local Masonic Lodge, and he goes, <clears throat> I'd like to have you renew the vows, Pastor, uh, for us. Uh, we have the Masonic Lodge, because my brother is a, is a worshipful master. Would you come and do the ceremony there? Would you be opposed to that? I know how you feel about the Freemasons. And I said, man, I would love to do it. And, uh, and, and you know, my curiosity, I, I kind of felt like Paul going to the Areopagus, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was pumped. And so, uh, sure enough, I get to walk into the lodge, and I get to see the blue ceiling uh, painted with, uh, you know, little specks of stars, uh, you know, and I get to see how uh, the, the, the place is set up for their meetings. And there's a great big square and compass with a G in the middle at the far wall. And that's where I'm supposed to walk to, to renew the vows. And as I'm walking up there, I make light of it. I said, oh, you even put my last name, uh, you know, my initial up there for me, Gibson. This is really cool, guys. Thanks. And what I was trying to do is get some discussion. And I turned around to all of these guys that are there that belong to the lodge. I said, what does that G mean? It's, you know, it's, and they all said God. And I said, oh, well, doesn't really? it mean geometry? And they said, yes. And I said, you know what I think it means, guys? And don't you try to fool me. I said, I believe the G stands for Gnosticism. <laughs> <laughs> How did they respond to that one? <laughs> not kindly. Not kindly. <laughs> Uh, they said, that's because you're a fool. And, uh, and I said, well, I am a fool for Christ. And, uh, but anyhow, that, that, by the way, Jason, that's an interesting part of all that because we went down to the fellowship hall after this. They have a fellowship hall. Isn't it interesting that they call it a fellowship hall? This is not a church. It's not a religious yeah. organization, but we got deacons. We've got a worshipful master. We've got, you know, a guy who does priestly duties. We've got all of these things, but it's not a church. You know. And probably casseroles. <laughs> and fried chicken. They were appealing to yeah. the Baptists. Yeah. Uh, but we went down to the fellowship hall, 
and I was sitting with my wife, who, who, by the way, Jason thought I was on a fool's errand at this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> she thought that I was just tiring myself out for something I didn't have to worry myself about. But uh, when we went down to the fellowship hall, she's sitting next to me. My stepdad, who is a Freemason, sitting across from me. We have all of these Eastern star women sitting around us. The wife of the worshipful master sitting across from me. And out of the blue, my stepdad goes, my son here, he hates us Freemasons. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you very much. Well, <laughs> I began to be asked a ton of questions yeah. by the wives of these Freemasons. And I was answering their questions. And as I was answering their questions, the wife of the worshipful master jumped up and she ran and she got the worshipful master. She got the rest of the Freemasons at the lodge, and they all came down, and it was about 35 to 40 people against me. Uh And uh, they were firing questions, and I was just doing my best to show them that it wasn't. I asked them. I said, are you all professing Christians? And they said yes. So I began to throw out Bible verses, and I began to throw out their belief system, and I said, is that compatible? Is that compatible? And they asked me to leave. Really? Um, So when I left, we walked out of the door of that place. My wife grabbed me by the arm with tears in her eyes. And she said, she said, now I understand what you're going through. Now I get it. And so she's been in my, uh, she's been in my court ever since on this subject. Is that, is that event that you're speaking about there? uh, You mentioned kind of a debate in, in, in the lodge, in a lodge. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was a, that was a forced debate. That was not one I signed up for. Yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, but I think that's exactly the Lord orchestrated that. There was yeah. no doubt it was providential. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the time, hey, by the way, while all this is going on, I'm not jumping up and down about this. Uh, this is causing uh, family issues. This is causing church-related issues. Yeah. Uh, but as I look back on it now, Jason, I would not. I would not exchange that that time frame of my life for anything else. Uh, I saw the Lord move in mighty ways uh, and ways that I would have not seen elsewise. So uh, as I said to you in the pre-interview, as we were setting up for this, uh, I've had the opportunity to lead uh, a couple worshipful masters out of the lodge. The Lord allowed me to uh, show them the truth, uh, let another guy out. Um, So look, none of that would have been possible had not I been thrust into this. This came upon me. I didn't pursue it. It pursued me. So, uh, but I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did. Now, you've brought up the term worshipful master quite often. Is that a particular degree within Freemasonry, or is that just somebody within the lodge that is put into that position? Again, I'm going to defer to my ignorance. Um, uh, I, I, I know that you can't be a th- – I'm pretty sure you can't just be a third-degree Mason. I, I'm sure you have to climb the ladder pretty high. Okay. At what degree are you qualified to be worshipful master? I don't know. But I have known – I have noticed this, that every worshipful master I have ever met all have the same personality traits. Uh, They're overbearing. They're overbearing. Um, They demand their opinion to be received without opposition on anything. Um, And all of these men have been Baptists, by the way, that I'm talking about. They've all been deacons, and most of them chairman of deacons. So uh, they garner this... uh, this persona that, uh, that they are somebody, you know, that they deserve to be listened to. Um, as, 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 as seen in this confrontation I had with this, this guy at, at the church, the beginning uh, testimony, uh, he didn't want to be told he was wrong. He could yeah. not stand it so much. He had to flee from it. So I don't think anybody had ever confronted him in his whole life. So what, what is, what is your experience and what is your thoughts on the, evangelical Christian community when it comes to dealing, uh, because you, I think we talked about this in the pre-show, but uh, you mentioned that uh, as far as you know, that there are actually millions of Baptists that are uh, Freemasons. How seriously is the church taking this particular issue and are they doing anything about it? Well, I have my own, uh, I have my own belief that uh, and I can speak for the Southern Baptist Convention because uh, I am a Southern Baptist. That um, that when uh, this was brought up to the floor um, several years ago in the '90s, and and again I was trying to find that date 
I, I should have had all of this prepared. I apologize that I didn't have all of these things just ready to go. But I think it was in, uh, in 1993 that uh, a man stood up on the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention and, uh, and uh, moved that the convention itself look at the compatibility of Christianity and Freemasonry. And they came back a year later and said X amount, and there were millions within the Southern Baptist Convention that were Freemasons. And they did declare that there were portions of Freemasonry that were not compatible with Christianity. However, they made no official move to, uh, to call that out as a convention. Uh, they said, we'll leave it up to the local church bodies to deal with it as they would like to deal with it, and, uh, which is a cop-out. And I'll tell you, here's my theory, and going back to my theory— if you have millions in your convention who are Freemasons, uh, you don't want to upset them too much, Jason, because if all of them only give but $1 to the convention, that's millions of dollars to the cooperative program. That would be, that would be a large slice of the pie that would disappear if the convention ever dared stand up and, and call it out uh, and- because they would lose a lot of members. And aren't uh, and th- and this comes from my own uh, my friend you know eight ten years ago who tried to get me into it. He mentioned to me that you know you know most of the people that are Freemasons are business people, successful business people, um, and so right. so you're dealing not with just you're dealing with people that you know probably contribute a lot already to their local churches in the way of financial assistance, and so. You're not just dealing with just your your everyday member. You're dealing with somebody that is probably providing more financial assistance than than your average member. Probably, am, am I wrong on that, or is that? No, that's absolutely right. I mean, at least in my own in my own experiences, and uh, all the Southern Baptist churches I belong to, um, and I'm saying not as a pastor, but growing up. And looking back, they were all very influential people in the community. Uh, many of them had deep pockets. Many of them had uh, had uh, high-level career jobs. Uh, and yes, when they're inside the church, they give, and they want people to know they give. They start benevolent causes within the church, and they want everybody in the church to know that they are the ones who started that benevolent cause. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and 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 that's part that's part of the Freemasonry in them, uh, no doubt. Uh, because uh, after all, it's it is a system of works that uh, that claim that they'll take you and make you from a good man to a better man, uh, prepare you for the Grand Lodge in the sky. So it's a work based system. So these men are compelled. I believe to do these beneficial or benevolent things, and and so the church stands back and looks at it and goes, "Wow, these people are really something. Uh, we shouldn't say anything negative to them." Yeah. Um, and in my case, in this first church that I pastored, this gentleman that we we were talking about earlier, uh, he controlled a lot in the church. He had his hand in in almost every cookie jar, and um, and when we confronted him in the business meeting. Uh, one of the things that I left out, he stood up and defended himself for 10 minutes. He got up and he said, I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. I did this. And that's why when he was done trying to defend himself, the people that were against us calling him out began to understand what we were dealing with and actually were in great uh, uh, approval of our corrective methods, our uh, measures rather. So yeah, they are very influential and deep pockets. Since uh, you haven't seen <clears throat> the Southern Baptist Convention itself deal specifically with the issue, uh, really to much of a degree, and they've left it mostly to the the local church bodies, have you encountered uh, other pastors that have taken the steps that you have taken and that have the same concerns? Do you see other pastors doing a lot of the things that you've done? Or are you are you kind of uh, an independent on this? I would say that uh, out of out of out of the pastors that I know, very few of them see this as a real issue. Uh, Right. Here's how they'll approach. And and hey, look, I was there too. I mean, prior to all of this being pushed upon me, I would have just continued on. Right. Um, We have uh, uh, the idea as pastors. Hey, look, if 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 something isn't broke, uh, 
you know, uh, don't try to fix it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. let's just avoid the problem. Uh, yeah, it's there. We know it's not compatible, but, but brother so-and-so, he's not making a lot of noise. He's not causing any problems. It's besides he's helping so many ministries out. Let's just not say anything. That's how it's approached, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there are, there is a handful of guys that I do know that are like me. Uh, that when somebody shows any type of interest in church membership, we ask them if they belong to any secret societies. And what we're hoping for is to find out that they'll confess that they belong, well, to any secret society, but specifically Freemasons. Yeah, uh, because we want to address that. Because we address that head on, and we say, look. Before you can have membership, we have to make sure that you understand what Christianity is, biblical Christianity. And then we walk through that, and then we say, is that compatible with Freemasonry? And if they yeah. say yes, then we have to, we, we have to forfeit their, uh, their desire to be a member. They can't be a member. That's incompatible. Yeah. So, you know. Have, have you ever, in your, in your preaching um, uh at different churches or even your own church, have you ever addressed the issue of Freemasonry over the pulpit specifically? Or yes, I have. In every one of my churches, I, I, I have uh, I have done one or more messages uh, that center on that directly um, uh, because of the fact. Uh, well, well, it's the role of the pastor. The role of the pastor is to feed the sheep of the Lord, and uh, and it's also to protect the flock to which the Lord's entrusted unto him. Um, I, I know this statement sounds raw and, uh, maybe, uh, offensive to some, but if, uh, if there are practicing Freemasons, if they're Freemasons in your church and they're allowed to have positions, really, I think even in the church that you're allowing wolves in your church. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's the duty of the pastor to call that out and to address it. Um, but for the most part, um, Jason, those issues often come to the front before it becomes an issue that it has to, you know, have a dedicated series of sermons on or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, uh, anyhow, yeah, yeah, I have, and I, and I wish more. I wish more pastors would. Uh, I know that uh, the guy that I keep referring to from the uh, Southern Baptist Convention that brought it up on the floor, um, James Holly. Um, after I went through my confrontation uh, with the man at my church, uh, I found out about him, and I gave him a call. And his first words to me, Jason, were this. He said, Stan, he said, do you believe in demons? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, well, it's a good thing you said yes. He said, because you're going to encounter them when you, become, when you go up against the Freemasons. Yeah. And uh, he began to tell me, uh, um, about his preaching behind the pulpit against Freemasonry. His book has helped me out a lot. I have it right here, too. And I don't know if this, I don't even think this thing's in print anymore. Uh, but uh, if there's any way that after the show, I could put that one quote up for people to see, because I can find it, and any of the references that I referenced that they could get, you know, perhaps. Do you, do you have any uh, particular books that you would recommend to any of my listeners um, that, for for uh learning a little bit more about the the issues um a few books that uh that would help with that well um i do i have a little pamphlet here now i gotta find it i have a little pamphlet um uh john uh ankerberg um put out and it's called the facts on the on the freemason lodge okay uh, this is just a little bitty book. I mean, just a little bitty book. And it hits the, it hits the, it answers better the questions that you ask me. I mean, you know, is it a religion? Yeah. Uh, how do you address certain things? So this is like a little, I, I carried this around in my Bible for years. Okay. Um, so I kind of, you know, I pulled it out and used it. But, but it's, here's the deal. When you go to share something with a Freemason, the best stuff to have is their own literature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, Give you them their own quotes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You have to quote them back to themselves yeah. and uh and then they're then they're forced to to answer correctly. Well, it's no different than when you're dealing with Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, you do the right. same thing. You quote them from their own texts and then you you compare that to scripture. Um yep. Hey, uh, hey Jason, yeah. I got to show you something. <laughs> this was the first book that I got ironically enough, this is, you talk about God's hand and stuff. 
This is the first book I got when I began uh, to confront Freemasonry. And this is a book the Lodge put out, and it was a very popular book. It's called, uh, what is it called? The Clergy and the Craft. Okay. And so it's a book to help. It's a book to help us pastors understand, uh, you know, basically it's a book about Freemasons being pastors and how to minister to their flock. Really? So there you go. So I read that book and eye opening. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, there's probably a lot of disturbing stuff in there. Um, Yes. A lot of disturbing stuff. Um, how, how aggressively are Masons within churches at proselytizing? In other words, trying to promote and try to get other people within their, their move or their society. Well, in my first church with the guy that in question that we've been talking about, it was heavy. Um, he would address the men, any man that joined the church, he was addressing. Now, I didn't know this at the time. Yeah, I didn't know this at the time, but I found out afterwards. You know how everybody gets brave after after the wolf leaves. Um, yeah. But they all came to me and said, yeah, he had asked me to come to the lodge. He had asked me to sit in. He had asked me to do this. So so uh, he was, he was. I called it e- e- evangelizing for the lodge. Yeah. And he was yeah. He was pushing it hard. Now, my other two churches, because from that vantage point forward, or from that point forward, rather, Jason, I naturally have been on the lookout for that, and we've yeah. looked at it before people join a church and such and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think uh, like the church that I was saved in, or the church that uh, I, uh, I made my salvation public in, um, it, had, uh, it had close to 20 deacons, and three-quarters of them were Freemasons. And, uh, wow. Yeah, and they look. They they did their job of telling people about it. They went everywhere, and at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I didn't understand it. I I was a new Christian, but I remember them asking all my friends and all the other people that were coming into the church at the same time, "Would you like to be a part of the lodge? Would you like to be a part of the lodge?" So, I think it's out there. I think it's aggressive. I think it's more aggressive than we care to note uh, or care to open our eyes to. Yeah, you mentioned in the before show that you had uh, somebody had given you advice, uh, uh, so, some friend of yours, I think a fellow pastor, that had given you advice and told you that, well, it's a, it's a movement, it's dying out, yeah. uh, you know, just just let it go, it'll wither on the vine. Uh, right. What what was your response to that? And is that in fact even true? Is is you know is Freemasonry dying out? Is it uh, what's well, happening with the movement? I, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's exploding like it used to back in the day. When I was a kid, uh, I remember Freemasons coming into the school, uh, or at least the uh, the junior Masons. I think they're called Demolays. Okay. Um, and they would come into the school and they would say, "Any young men interested in becoming a Demolay?" Which is nothing more than groundwork for you becoming a Freemason. Yeah. Uh, and so it was really popular when I was a young man. Uh, when I was a when I was a teenager in school, but when I became uh, in the ministry, yeah, I called I called my pastor and I said, "Hey, look, I'm dealing with this at my church. What do you think I ought to do?" And he said, "I think you ought to just let it, let it rest." He said, "It's dying out." Look, he said, "Look around." He said, "All the guys that are masons all have gray hair. They're all in their sixties and seventies. It won't be long. They'll be gone, and they won't even be around anymore." Um, uh, and, 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 and my response to that was, Hey, look, I'm just going to be honest because the fight was so fierce at that time. I nearly took his advice. Yeah. Uh, because who wants to go through a fight? Right. So yeah. I said, well, maybe we'll just smooth this over. Uh, but it wasn't until a few days later that I found his response with all due respect to him. I love the guy. Uh, I found his response to be uh, one of great compromise. Um, because to me, Jason, I I don't care if it's not growing anymore at all. I don't care if they're not getting anybody in their lodge. They have people in their lodge and those people are lost. If they believe these things, they're lost and they need to hear the truth. And so you don't avoid telling them the truth. And so, um, so I decided to move forward and, uh, and, uh, forego his advice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, praise God that you did. So I I think, yeah, I think this is something that needs to be addressed more. And I think what I'm going to do is uh, start a playlist on this podcast and start uh, doing some, I'll, I'll do some research myself on it. And uh, just because we need to bring more awareness of this. I just, I had no idea um, the degree at which Freemasonry was within the church until your, the, frankly, this interview. I, um, 
I, I just thought there might have been a few people here and there that were part of it. But to, to actually have millions within the Southern Baptist Convention that are part of it is is truly disturbing to me. Yeah, that's, that's, that is that is very disturbing to me. And is means that this is an issue that should not be swept under the rug and needs to be publicly addressed. I mean, it needs to be there's needs to be sermons on it. It needs to be, you know, there needs to be, uh, you know, we have many very good uh, leaders with, within the church. Uh, I mean, I'll just even name like, you know, Al Mohler, I respect him a lot, but you know, yeah. if this is such a big movement within the Southern Baptist convention and even other churches, uh, some of these men need to stand up and we need to talk about this issue and it needs right. to be addressed. Well, Hey, I don't know how much time we have left, but Jason, I gotta, you know, hey, uh, how many discernments uh, uh, conferences have you been to where one of the breakoff sessions deal with Freemasonry? I've never even heard of it before. I and yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, now to uh, what was it about fifteen? No, not fifteen years ago. Maybe ten years ago. Uh, in St. Louis, there was a discernment conference that had a breakoff session that dealt with Freemasonry, and what they wanted to do was equip the pastor and the leadership of the church on how to deal with it. And uh, I sat in that class, and, and I only went to the discernment conference because they had that breakout session. And uh, I went there, and uh, I was surprised at how many pastors uh, were dealing with issues within their church that were caused by headstrong Freemasons. Yeah. They were causing division within the body of Christ and how many of them were afraid to stand up. Now, I would love to say that I boldly stood up, but Jason, as you've seen from this testimony, it pursued me. The Lord propped me up and stood me up and made me do it, uh, and I'm glad he did. But uh, in that discernment breakout session, uh, this guy allowed me to share my testimony, and I was surprised at how many of them said, I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid. So uh, they know it'll cost them their jobs. Do you know if Freemasons or if there would be any out there that would be willing, because I think this would be very useful to dealing with this issue, is to do a a publicly recorded debate on this. We could even do it on Google Hangouts or something like that, Mm -hmm. where a Freemason would be willing to come on and actually try to defend Freemasonry as being compatible with biblical Christianity and then have somebody actually yourself or you know anyone familiar with right. their, their stuff actually confront them on on their own material. Um, do you, are they willing to do stuff like that, or is this just stuff they're willing to do kind of one on one? Because since they are a secret society, I, I don't know how willing they would be to well, do that. I think the answer to this is that you know you can Google anything and just about yeah. find anything on anything you want, right? I mean, you can you can Google how to fix your 1990 Dodge Dakota, whatever, and you can find a video on step by step. Google that. Google where a Freemason has debated, not not whether it's a religion or whatever. Don't get into all of that, but see if any of them have ever debated whether it's compatible with biblical Christianity. And I don't know of any. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know of any. I don't think they will do that. But if okay. if they are out there, man, I would be I would be welcome to uh, I I would welcome the opportunity to come back on, and and do that uh, again. That the, my heart, and I told you this in the pre-show, and I want everybody to know that's listening to this. My heart isn't to prove them wrong or to one up them, or to show them how dumb they are and how brilliant I am. Uh, Look, the whole goal of this is is to bring people to the genuine light, not the light of the lodge, but the light of Jesus yeah. Christ, the light of Scripture, uh, the sufficiency of Scripture itself. Point them to the gospel and to see them come out. If they're saved, to have them come out. If they're not saved, to see them saved. Yeah. So that's the goal. That's the purpose of all of this. It's the only reason I agreed to do this yeah. is because I want men that are trapped in this to come out. Yeah. Well, Thank you for uh, coming on. Is there anything else? Uh, I think we're a little bit over an hour at this point. I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, to kind of end on before we? Uh, well, well, I just want to say thank you, Jason, for uh, for allowing me this opportunity. It's been fun. Uh, I, I apologize that I wasn't as ready with my books. If I would have listened to my wife, I would have been ready. Uh, there, you, there you go. There's there's shouldn't a lesson for everybody. To listen to your wives. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to ask this again. I don't know if I heard the answer earlier. 
uh, is there anywhere I can uh, to, to send you the quotes from this moral and dogma about what they say about Jesus being the light and Lucifer being the light and some of the other quotes concerning Scripture and their resources? I'll document everything uh, and to send it to you so that anybody that watches this can go look at that or find that or read that themselves. Yeah, actually, what I would encourage, if, uh, if you would be interested in doing this, um, I would be fine if you wanted to write up an article, and we'll post it right on uh, uh, the blog. And, okay. uh, and, you know, write up some, and we'll do, you know, we'll have you on again. I think this is something okay. I, I, because there's so little out there about this, I think this is a serious enough topic that we really need to address this. And so if you want to write up something, uh, you have my Facebook information. Uh, you can also... Uh, send it to Jason at logicalbelief.org. Um, and uh, we can, we'll put it up there on the, on the blog. And I want to start a playlist on this topic. Um, recently, I've gotten involved a little bit into, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Black Hebrew Israelite movement. I've uh, heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I started addressing that. I've had a couple debates with, uh, with one who was uh, a member of it, because I think that's an important topic. And there are some people out there that are starting to address that issue. But I think this is another one that just is, is there's been a lot of oversight on it. And it it's truly is uh, a serious uh, issue. And this one here is directly in the church. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not this movement outside the church. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's being legitimized. Church. It's legitimized yeah. in the church. Yeah. yeah. And that's the danger. It's legitimizing the church and the church because the church, because they want sermonettes for Christianettes, as, as Spurgeon yeah. said, uh, <laughs> they don't want to go deep into the word of God. They're, they're more, they're more concerned about getting out on time than they are hearing the word of God. Yeah. They're ignorant to these things. Yeah. And I think the church is, is being set up. I, I would love to come back on. I'd like to have, I'd like to have this stuff uh, in better order. Um, next time for you and for your audience. Uh, Maybe but, I can uh, have my uh, technology fixed by then too. And, and uh, <laughs> we can, we can do this great, again. Jason. So, so yeah, why don't great. we, uh, why don't we do this again? So I, I appreciate right. you sounds coming great. on. And, Thank you very uh, much. Yeah, no problem. So thanks for joining us today. Um, and we'll uh, catch up with you guys next week. Uh, God willing. that the unjust will not inherit God's kingdom and through Adam's offense 